So, we're going to be talking about seasons, the seasons of life. Now, when we, um, when we started thinking and kind of praying about what we wanted to do, um, this actually just kind of came up right away. And I think part, in part because we have such diversity amongst us, which is really amazing. Um, we have so many women here that are young at heart that probably have way more energy than I have. We have really young women that are in college. Um, so we have, such a, we have such a wide range. So we thought, let's put, let's put something together so we can kind of touch and encourage everybody where they're at. So the first, the first thing is, what is a season, obviously? So as I was kind of just thinking about it, I just thought, okay, you think about the seasons of life, right? You think about spring and winter, and you think about these natural, these natural things. And I think it's the same in our lives. Like, God kind of transitions us. We, um, our moms, we're young, uh, we're grandparents, you know, and these are, these are kind of the seasons of life. And it's not just um, relationally, because I know that when you think of a season, you think, oh, I'm married or I'm single. I feel like that's like the first thing that you go to. But there's so much more to it than your relationship status. Sometimes it could be, I know that um, there's quite a few of our women that are in a season of grief. Um, and grief can be it's, it's not just death. It can be a breakup. It can be divorce. Grief touches has touched all of us probably in one way or another. So there's so many different seasons um, that we're in. And so we want to kind of speak to that. So what we're going to cover today is these four points. Recognizing your season, embracing your season, working your season, and preparing for your next season. Okay? So I'm going to say it again. Recognizing your season embracing your season, working your season, and preparing for the next season. Um, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, um, you know, we have, I have five children, and I was like, how do I prepare for the next season when there's so much going on in this season? And then um, I just thought about something very practical. Now, I don't know much about agriculture, so I'm probably going to say this wrong, but you will get my gist. Um, so I was thinking, during the fall, it's obviously like pumpkin season, apple season. But during that time, I'm assuming that the farmers aren't just thinking, okay, I'm just going to reap this harvest. They're thinking ahead and they're thinking, okay, I have to plant for the next season because then in due time, that will reap a harvest and I'll have to, I'll have to bring that in and gather that. So even though we can be in these different seasons in our lives, we can kind of be looking ahead. Still being within our season, they're still picking their pumpkins, picking the apples, tending those trees, but they're still prepping for the next season. And so some of those things, I pray that through these questions, we'll be able to answer some of those questions and kind of um, encourage you where you are. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, ladies. Hey, this is loud, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. We have some good-looking women in New Bedford. <laughs> no? Wow. There you go. Hey. So, yeah, give it up for the media team in the back. Hey. Those guys are amazing. <laughs> so good. All we right. do have a few seats up here for some of you ladies that are still in the back. Like, y'all don't need to sit for the next. There's, the Holy Spirit only four. knows. Four seats? Four seats? Make friends. Raise your hand if you have a seat. There we go. Mama, scooch in. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So um, I guess we can start off right by introducing ourselves because not everyone knows us. So I'm Adriana. And I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marquis. I like this group. This group is rowdy. I know. Way better um, than the men. So I figured, why don't, we, why don't we just start off? Why don't you guys just share um, what season you're in? You know, what's the best part of, about the season you're in? So good. So I'll go first. I am in a season, um, from a practical sense, like Lindsay was saying, you have married and single. I am phenomenally single. Yes. If you're single, meaning unmarried, raise your hand. Get ready, because God's about to rock your world. So that's such a good question. What do I love about being single? I love so much about being single, which is kind of counterintuitive for our culture. But I think over, so I've been single now six and a half years. I'm in my almost seventh year of, of walking out this single life. And I think, thank you. I'm loving Amen. it. Amen. Running in it. I think probably my favorite thing is just growing in intimacy with God. And it's such a special moment to know that, like, when I wake up in the morning, my first thought is Jesus. Like, he genuinely is the first person on my mind because I'm ready to unpack my day. So not that I turn over and he's, like, there, but (laughs) I can feel his presence when I wake up. And I'm like, okay, God, like, we've got this. And I go to brush my teeth and I'm having conversations with him in my mind. Like, what do you want to do with today? And And then by the time my day's done, when I go to lay down, I'm unpacking my day with him. And I feel like there's just such, there's such an authentic dependency that I have on him that if I hadn't been single for as long as I've been single, I would depend on someone else. And I've been in this, just like when you're in a relationship, even with girlfriends, like you know each other over the years, you know each other's body language. I feel like we become sensitive to God over time when it's just you and God. So I wake up to him, I go to bed to him, and it's like, he just listens to everything I have to say. I could be a better listener, but I'm really loving the intimacy of my season. I think that's my favorite part. I actually have a question for you after you said that. Now, you said almost seven years. Now, when you began singlehood, I'm sure you didn't wake up like with this revelation of I'm waking no. up to and going to, going to bed to God. Can you just say briefly, like, how did you get to this place? Like, what did you practically do? Because I know a lot of women are like, yeah, that sounds great, but right. I'm just like so not there. Yeah. So how did you get there? Like, practically, a few things, so what you did to get to that point. Yeah, that's so good. She's so right. It doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's something that you sow into. A pastor once said that loneliness is God's cry for intimacy. And that wrecked my world. Because I was coming out of a relationship where I woke up to a man, and a man that I wasn't married to, and so it was all that hot messness. But when he was gone, like, who do you turn over and who do you talk to? And there's that gut reaction where it's like, oh, I want to text, and I want to reach out, and I want to connect. But it was such an impactful statement. Like, loneliness is genuinely God crying out, I'm here. Press into me. And I found that it's in the little decisions daily. Like, it's not an overnight thing, but it's like, hey, if today I can choose not to text my ex, just in a practical sense, and choose to talk to God, that, that momentary decision, ladies, builds over time. And I found that over time it became so natural to the point where he eventually texted And I was like, nah, see you later. It wasn't even a thought. But it was because I had conditioned myself in little decisions every day. Daily decisions will shape our futures. 
So the decisions you make today will sow into something exactly like Lindsay's saying. You're, you're planting something. Let it be something holy and honoring of God. And I found that in those moments, he was so faithful to quiet my soul. And I love that he's so authentic that there were genuinely nights where I'd, I'd curl up in a ball and I would just cry. And I'd cry because I was used to being held and all those physical things. And I really could feel the Holy Spirit wrap himself around me and say, in this moment, it's me and you and I'm so pleased. And it was such a safe place. It was a safety that I had never felt with a man. And that's such a God thing. Amen. So it was those little decisions. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. I want to add to that. It doesn't matter if you're single or married. Um, principles always produce. So good. Always. Um, so it's, it was her faithfulness and her obedience um, to live by principle and not by her feelings that produced, you know, and has allowed her to get to, to where she is. That's awesome, Marky. Um, how about you, Lindsay? What, what season are you in right now, and, and what do you love about it? So, so I'm married. We know this. Uh, <laughs> and we have five children from almost 10. Gracie, our oldest, is going to be 10 next week to um, 10 months. Um, so that's kind of where, we, where I am practically, but I think spiritually we're in a season of building. Um, you know, the church has grown so much, and it's been really awesome to see God um, mirror our natural with the spiritual. Um, what's happened to us in the natural with our five children and, um, and you know, just with building, with building our family, it's been so supernatural to see God mirroring it. And the spiritual is almost like um, God kind of gave us a heads up to what's happening through what was happening in the natural for us. And it was really cool because, you know, it's not typical in this day and age to see, because uh, I'm 30, I'm 33. I think I'm 33. <laughs> How old are you, Lindsay? Hold on. Mom. That's I'm what happens when you're 32. 33. I'm 33, so it's not typical to see how our, how our life has unfolded. We got married, um, actually, so listen to this. I got married in May. By February, I was married. By five months later, so that was July, I was pregnant with Gracie. When Gracie was five months, I was pregnant with Caden. And then we just, at this point, and during that time, I had tried to go back to school two times, twice. I had tried to go back to school, but I got pregnant, like literally almost like to the week or the month. Like it was so insane. So it was so obvious that God was like, stop. I have a plan. Stop. I have a plan. Stop. I have a plan. Because otherwise, honestly, in between Marco and I, I probably would have bulldozed through something, and God was like, no, stop. I have a plan. So it took a little bit, though, but I feel like probably once we got to Chase, we realized, wait a minute, God's trying to do something. He's trying to show you. But it was cool for us because, and this isn't typical. I, I don't think it is, um, but I think it was cool for us because our life has been kind of uh, not not conventional, the way, the way things have d- been done, uh, that God was kind of confirming, no, I'm with you, because we saw it mirrored in the spiritual. It was like our heads up. So it was really awesome. So we're, right now, I think we're in a season of building. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. That's so good. So I have a question. So you kind of mentioned how your life has always kind of been like one, one thing to the next, like there's no pause. So how do, you, how do you rest, spiritually speaking? How do you rest with so much, um, with so much going on all the time, building, you know? She wow. laughs. Well, uh, you know, so I think that I've, I've gotten to a point 
at least at least for me that I I'm I have to be okay with the not with not sleeping almost in the like in the natural okay so let's just go there first so in the natural I kind of almost had to embrace my season and say okay I have a 10 year old all the way down to a 10 month old so there's five of them so there's probably not too much sleeping I'm going to do. So instead of getting annoyed that I couldn't sleep, I just said, okay, I'm not going to sleep. I almost like just got, again, it's this embracing your season. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's embracing where I was. So I kind of made amends with that. And honestly, in doing that, it almost felt like, okay, it's not a big deal. Like, it's not a big deal when I wake up at 2 in the morning because I was kind of expecting it anyway, you know? Uh, <laughs> awesome. But then as far as spiritually goes, uh, resting spiritually... I um, have started to kind of just develop new habits because sometimes it's hard to sit and read, but I can wash the dishes and listen to what's going on um, and, to, and to listen to a podcast. And it doesn't always have to be a podcast because sometimes podcasts are hard when you've got like a screaming one and, you know, our Caleb is like a vacuum right now. So he's putting everything in his mouth. So it's like I can't, I have to always have my eye on him. So I can't always listen, but I actually started listening to um Hillsong lullabies, and it's, uh, it's worship songs, but it's just the music. And I feel like in doing that, I've been saying, God, I invite your presence here. I invite your presence while I wash the dishes, while I watch the kids. And that, God has honored that and given me a rest in my soul, even though I don't, I feel tired. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Isn't that good? I'm taking that myself. <laughs> um, so, so what are some of the challenges you guys face um, in, in, in your season? So, Marquis, why don't we start with you? So that's another really good question. Genuinely, with the season of singlehood, it's not as though there's one overlying challenge that you're forever wrestling with. For myself, anyways, I found that it's, it's almost as though it's this fluid evolutionary thing. So we talked about loneliness. That was a really big one for me in the beginning. Like, who do I go to when I'm upset or when I want to be held? And it's, it's allowing God to step into the place he was meant to always be and to build that wholeness in you from the inside out genuinely. So that was probably the first phase. The other big thing that was really hard to tackle initially and I found is almost cyclical. It'll creep up if we're going to be really real, is lust. So for myself, I made decisions my senior year of high school that charted a course for my life for five years past that point. So I chose to lose my virginity my senior year of high school. So I awakened something that God had designed to be sacred and to lay dormant until the appointed time when I was married. And it wasn't, when you awaken that, it's not designed to go back. Like that desire for intimacy on that spiritual level is meant to be awakened to forever bond you to a man. It's such an intentional, God-ordained thing, physically, supernaturally, all of the above. So I had, I had to step back and let God rebuild me in that area as well because I had completely compromised and thrown the holiness of God out the window because I wanted to move in what the world says was to be accepted and to be loved and to really know if this man is for you. You have to, you know, you got to do a test drive. We rebuke that. That's not of God. But I had to relearn all of that. So there are even seasons for me. I'm six and a half years removed from any intimacy with a man. But there are moments when my flesh is like, oh, well, God, it'll be really great one day. <laughs> if we can be really real. This is women only. But it's a struggle. 
And so it's, it's making those little decisions. Genuinely, so much of walking out the season of singleness is in those moments when your mind starts to go places where you know it's not God-ordained. Like, I have to stop myself and say, I don't ever want to awaken something that God has already shut the door back on for me. Amen? That's so good. And that comes even with little things. Like, like, I, like if I, not if, when I step into dating, I know my boundaries. Like, I have healthy guardrails that I can't go past because I know where my mind would want to go, and I want to honor God, and I want to honor my future husband, but it's in making little decisions. Like, the movies I watched, the music I listened to was probably one of the biggest things for me. Music is a powerful thing, and so it's like, what was I feeding myself with? Because I'd be lonely, and I'd be in those moments where it's like, oh, it'd be great to go out. No, I'd, I'd put on Hillsong. I would just soak in it, and I would cry in moments, but now I'm at a place where it's, it's not even a second thought. But it's those little split decisions of, like, what am I feeding myself? So those have been the two biggest challenges in singleness, loneliness and lust. Um, But they're not a challenge anymore. Amen. Amen. So what um, what would you say to a woman who maybe has already lost her virginity um, and is dealing with guilt? You know, maybe they had a hiccup or, or, you know what I mean, they they hooked up with their ex or they've been hanging out with someone they shouldn't be hanging out with. What would you you say to them or how would you encourage them? That's such a good question. There is never too late. There is nothing too far gone for God to redeem. And it, like, ladies... If you can give God this area of your life, those of you that are single, I'm speaking to you. If you can trust him to be faithful enough to know what you need before you even know it, he will be so faithful to show up and rock your world with himself first and foremost because he's the greatest man we could ever fall in love with. But it's in that moment of, okay, I just made a mistake. You have to wrestle with it, obviously with God. But once he forgives you, you have to allow yourself to be forgiven. And that was a big thing I wrestled with, with was the shame. Like, what are, what are my friends going to think? And, and having accountability was huge for me. So when I was trying to stop sleeping with my ex, there was this amazing woman of God who would sit down over coffee with me. And she'd just be like, how are you? I'm fine. And she'd say, well, you'll talk about it when you're ready. And then I would just bawl because I would know like God was convicting and he was working in me. But I had to give her the right to speak into my life. And she was so gracious and so loving. And, and ladies, that's key for us. If you're in that relationship, like there are women all around you to your right and your left who can help keep you accountable in love. There's no way I would have stepped out of what I was in if I hadn't allowed a woman of God to hold me accountable, to speak into my life. I knew she loved me. And that's the fruit of her love and God's grace. Amen. It's just amazing. How do you pick an accountability partner? It's a woman that isn't wrestling with the same thing in that moment. So compromise loves company don't find a girlfriend that thinks it's fine women who don't understand holiness cannot hold you accountable and it's having a coachable spirit the holy spirit does not come in to condemn nor do we that's not who god is but he is a holy god and he is an awesome god and it's whenever you start to understand okay god if you're really love if you're really faithful to your word, and if your word really says sex is something holy, meant to only be done within the covenant of marriage, okay, you have to accept his truth first, and then you have to accept a woman who's going to love you through it. 
But I think we are our, our own worst enemy because we think there's no way, there's no way Lindsay would look at me the same. And it's like, who are you to say that? Yeah. We're here and we're for you. And probably one of my favorite things is when a woman is just raw and like, this is where I'm at. Okay, cool. Now we can move forward. We can't move forward in progress if we're going to be fake and we're going to be surface. And prayerfully, your crews are like this already. Like, get real, get deep. Because God knows, but there's freedom in speaking it, releasing it. There's that forgiveness you feel, and you can walk it out. Um, But it's finding a woman who gets it. Because if she's struggling with it, she's going to tell you it's okay. Oh, that's fine. You guys want to hang out in your apartment till 10 by yourselves? It's a good movie. What, I mean, what are we talking about? You want to text him? Great. No. You got to find a woman who, who gets it. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes, too, you know, the world tells us that bound, boundaries are a bad thing. Um, and in God, they're not, you know. So that's awesome. It definitely. I would encourage you, if you don't have accountability, um, pray on it, but act on it. Don't just sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to pray, God, to you give me, like, you know, a name of someone who's going to just be, like, super prophetic and speak into my life forever, you know? Like, no, act on it, you know what I mean? And, and, and the reality is um, whoever, whoever is keeping you accountable, sometimes, you know, there are people that, that do life with you, you know what I mean, that are there through every season. But it's okay, it's okay to, to this may sound harsh, but to drop the wrong people. It's not You know harsh, what I mean? Community is necessary. Um, God wouldn't have given us the church if, if, he didn't find a need in it. You know, he did it to bless us. Um, so definitely, that's awesome. And I can't, even when you're married, get, some, get, get around some married Hello, couples. Hello, somebody. Come on. <laughs> we, we all need it, you know. Um, how about you, Lindsay? What are some challenges that, that you face in your season? Um, I think that some of them, it's, you know, just the practical things of, you know, you just kind of get sick of your kids sometime. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, I think that's something. I think that being, um, I think that being submissive to my husband sometimes is a bit of a challenge. I think getting annoyed with him is a bit of a challenge. Um, I think that too real, too real, guys. I know, I know. You guys are gonna go to church on Sunday and be like, Pastor Marco, Lindsay's annoyed with you. What'd you do? <laughs> no. Um, I think that. I mean, I, obviously, I, I adore my husband. I, I am so so incredibly grateful for him. But reality is, is that yeah, he annoys me sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, seriously, will you pick up something? Like, will you do it? Like, do you see that? Do you hear him crying? You see that I'm doing the dishes? No, we're not going to do it. Okay, I'll do the dishes and I'll go pick up the baby. Sometimes you do have those moments. But I think that honestly, I think that uh, those kinds of moments. They need to be just moments. They need to not be um, a lifestyle because what ends up happening is if you keep kind of giving into that and feeding it and being annoyed, you end up uh, planting, that you allow the enemy to plant a seed of, um, of almost like rebellion of, oh, I'm better than you. I can handle this. You can't. Because let's be real, like for you moms, um, whether, you're, uh, whether you have young children now or you, your children are older, we know that we really can run the house. Like, I have no problem running the house, getting the kids in order, and, you know, using my toes to cook something and my hand to do this. And, you know, it's like we're kind of all over the place. But I think that there's something very significant in saying, um, you know what? We're built, we're built differently. Amen. And uh, I need to be quiet sometimes. And I need to be okay with, like, he's not perfect. I think that sometimes, I think this is also very cultural, like, for... Um, we have this, like, Prince Charming, he's going to be perfect. 
he's going to know everything, he's going to know what I'm thinking, you know, and it's like, that is so ridiculous, that doesn't even make sense, because how does anybody know that, Um, and so I think that, that, I think that that's a challenge, Um, I think another challenge, I know this is kind of silly, but is, uh, you know, when people are always like, oh, your kids are so cute, and it's like, you see me with, like, I'm juggling all five of them, like, do you want to take something, you know, (laughs) thanks, um, Although, although I have to say I'm kind of weird about that stuff, so sometimes I'm like, no, I've got it, I've got it. So that's another issue that we struggle with. Um, but so when they say, oh, your kids are cute, sometimes I, I, I want to, I think that you want to hear as a mom, like, you know, your daughter, she's a really good girl. I don't really care that her outfit is cute or that he's cute or, you know, it's, sometimes I want to hear, like, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Because it's like nobody tells you that sometimes. Sometimes I feel like we end up, like, searching for it somehow, and we get this sense of false humility almost. And I think that that, I honestly think that that crosses over any season, though, when we feel like we're not being encouraged. Um, we start to kind of grasp at things, like, somebody tell me something, tell me something, tell me something, instead of sowing the seed of encouragement for somebody else, and then you'll reap it at some point. But knowing that God's, you know, that God's with you. So I think one of the challenges, I, I definitely think a challenge is, you know, kind of just being submissive to your, to my husband um, and, and recognizing that he's a human being and that he's going to make mistakes um, and that I'm going to make mistakes. We have to extend grace just yeah. like we want grace extended to us. I think, too, there's a, there's a misconception even, even in, for Christian women about Christian men. You know, I think sometimes when we think of a Christian man, we, we automatically assume that they're perfect. Um, and, and that doesn't matter if you're single waiting for a good Christian man or if you're dating a Christian man or if you're married to one. Um, you know, something I'm so grateful that I learned early on in marriage is that my husband's not my God. Um, and, and I love my husband and I adore him and he, he, he compliments me perfectly but he is not my God. And, and you know, even in a, in a healthy relationship, it takes two people um, to be on the right course. You know, going off of what Marquis saying, you know, two people running their own race um, so that when they come together, you know, they can run their race together. You know what I mean? It's not that one ever hops in the other one's lane or vice versa. Your lanes uh, collide to run together. Um, and that's, you know, that's why our, our church is so big on, on, um, on waiting, you know, waiting for the right season. You know what I mean? And, and I love, you know, I love that we have strong women who can say, no, I can embrace, um, I can embrace my singlehood or, or you know, so, you know, there's some of you who are in the season of dating already. You're not married, but but I encourage you, you know, still apply these principles in, into your dating life, you know. Still set boundaries. Um, still, you know what I mean? Still put God in his place so that when you go into marriage, you're going into something that's healthy. Um, so, yeah, your husbands aren't your gods. Amen? Amen. Can I say something on waiting? Yeah, go for it. Waiting is not a passive thing in the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's so good. So if you're a woman waiting for your God-ordained husband, or if you're a woman waiting for a baby, or whatever you're waiting on, God is not stagnant. He is forever moving forward. So if you find yourself not stepping into something God's calling you to, like ministry or serving at the level you know you should be serving at, because you're like, oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because when he comes or when I have this baby, I won't be able to. That's not the way God functions. 
waiting is an active thing. Yeah, it means so you're, you don't stop. You keep going with that in mind. You're sowing seeds. But to sow, if you've ever seen a farmer move down his plot of land, he has to walk. Like, you don't just stay in one spot and put the seed. You know, it's not like, oh, just I'm planting. Well, only one seed is supposed to go in that one little hole. You can't have two seeds in the same hole and have it produce. So you have to keep moving forward. So if you're waiting, it doesn't mean you stop. Life doesn't stop. Keep moving. And like Adriana says, whatever you're waiting on will catch up in due time. Amen. Amen. Faith moves. Right? Amen. Amen. Um, so what's one of the biggest misconceptions about the season you're in? Um, I, think, I think a misconception can be, uh, you know, that because you're a mom or because you're married and it kind of looks like you've got it all together that you actually have it together and that you're not struggling or that things don't get weird for you or that you don't yeah, make so mistakes. I think that's a little bit of a, I think that that's a, definitely a misconception. And I think that um, also like this misconception of like, oh, I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And it's like, okay, but like that's a full-time job. Like you're teaching somebody for years how to wipe themselves, <laughs> um, how, to, how to use manners for years. Like these are things that you are doing. Like I, I think that I say the same exact five phrases in my house and um, I think that this con- misconception of like, oh, she's a stay-at-home mom. Like, she's not doing anything. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, do you okay. want to come do that then? I'll go do what you're doing. Actually, when I go to work, I feel like that's really my vacation. Being home is not my vacation. It's not, it's not an easy thing. And if you're working your season the right way and if you're embracing your season, it should be like that. You should be home working. You shouldn't. I think that, I think that you know, you, home has to be home. And so I get that, that you have to kind of relax and have those moments. But at the same time, I think that God has graced us. And in Proverbs, it says that uh, the Proverbs 31 woman is that she burns the midnight oil. So she's doing things. She keeps moving. She's not like, oh, I can't, I, you know, I can't do this. I have to, you know, it, it just, it feels sometimes like we have this, like this laziness kind of that comes over us as stay at home moms. Um, and that's not, Good. I think that there are times where you have to sit back and be like, okay, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm going to leave this messy. And I have to do that like all day long because I literally will clean something, go to the next thing, and that is a mess again. So I'll be going back and forth in between these two spots all day long, all day long. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, it's, not, it's just not going to be clean. So here we are. Who can say amen to that? So I'm just going to put my up and do it. But I do think that we have to like kind of develop systems at home. I think that that's a healthy thing, too, you know, to work your season. Like, I just started a laundry schedule. I failed a month in, but I'm going to go back at it this week. This week is the week. Faith moves. That's right. Faith, Faith moves. moves. You know? You're not going to scare me. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, how about you, Marquis? A big misconception in the season of singlehood is that something's wrong with you. It's like... Um, okay, so I just have to tell y'all this story. So I'm from Texas, if you can't tell, I use the word y'all, and I was working this girls' youth camp, and I sat down to have lunch, and there was this older gentleman, he was one of the pastors working the weekend, and he sits next to me, he's just this wonderful, large Texas man, and he's like, baby girl, like, how many children do you have? And I'm like, oh, none. Oh, okay, okay, what about your husband? What does he do? Um, oh, no, I'm not married. Oh, baby girl, he's coming, he's coming, you just hold tight. 
And I'm sitting there, and it's funny because every there are different talks throughout the weekend, and I give the singles talk because I'm passionate about it, and I love the season I'm in. And everyone at the table knows that I'm, like, running in my singleness. So everyone's laughing under their breath. And I look at him, and I'm like, you know, that is so sweet, and I appreciate that. But I'm perfectly content in my singleness. So when he's ready, he'll show up. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep running. And he just laughed, but it was this culturally, it's as though... I mean, it's as though, like, we're not complete unless we're married. And it's such an intense, even misconception, on, like, under some churches. Jesus didn't get married to fulfill the mission he had on this earth. Paul wasn't married. Mary Magdalene wasn't married. Now, time out. I'm not saying marriage isn't awesome. It is an awesome, God-ordained thing. That's how we produce. It's been ordained from the beginning of time. Not everyone is called to be married. And that's okay. But everyone is called to be single. Everyone goes through a single of seasonhood. So there's no shame in it. Whether it's two years or 10 years or 20 years, it's about God's timing. It's about walking out who he's called you to be. Married or not married, you're called to be complete in God first. Like Adriana said, her husband's not her God. And now because I've had this season to walk out who I am in Jesus... When he comes along, it's going to be great, but it doesn't change who God's called me to be. We're going to come together and compliment one another like Lindsay and Pastor Marco. They fit, but it's because they knew who they were in God first, and then they walk and they grow together. Um, so there's nothing wrong with being single, but I do feel like you get those weird looks. Oh, are you dating? Oh, how about Tinder? And then once they find out you're Christian, they're like, oh, Christian mingle. <laughs> And it's, it's really, and I'm like, you know what? I'm all set with that. I think, I think too. Um, <laughs> hey, true. there's this movie on Netflix called Christian, Zing- Christian Mingle. Have you guys watched it? No. No, I haven't. I secretly love it. it. Really? <laughs> I do. It's so corny, but I'm like, go ahead, girl. Love it. But uh, I think that what she was saying about singleness, I think that even when you're married, that there's, there are seasons of singleness. Absolutely. And just hear me out. So I think that there are times... Um, where you need to kind of cut off certain friends and you need to cut off certain things out in your life because God is just kind of calling you into something new. Amen. And I think that sometimes when you've got too many voices or too much going on, we don't see it or we don't hear it. Um, so I think that there can even be singleness. I honestly believe this in no matter what stage you're in, whether you're young or young at heart. And I think that for some of our women that are young at heart and uh, so those, if you guys aren't catching me, they're the older ones, but they're young at heart. I think that they, honestly, I really, I, and I really believe this with all of my heart. I know that it, it can be, this is from a pastoral perspective, so I kind of want to speak to you just for a minute. I know that it can seem like there's a lot of young people at the church, and there's a lot going on, and I don't fit in, and they jump, and they scream, and I don't really want to jump and scream. But what you do as far as the legacy that you're leaving and what you're sowing into us, to me, is priceless. Um, Pauline, are you here, Pauline? Pauline and Mrs. Gomes, can you guys stand up for a quick minute, please? Just for a quick minute. Stand up. So, so a lot of you know, a lot of you know Pauline. You don't know Mrs. Gomes. Mrs. Gomes. Mrs. Gomes was my fourth grade teacher. And I, you're going you're gonna to stand for this whole thing because I'm, I, this is a tribute to you. Because uh, as we were going through this, I want you to know that you guys were all on my heart. Like every single one of you, no matter what age you were, I had your faces in my head and in my heart. 
And I was, I'm going to cry. Because I was thinking, I don't want anybody to feel left out. Um, so, hang on. I've got it. Here we go. So, Mrs. Gomes told me this, and I remember this because Mrs. Gomes and Pauline um, spoke into my mom's life. They were the ones that mentored my mom as a young Christian. And so when I found out I had Mrs. Gomes as my fourth grade teacher, I was amped. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got a friend. She knows me because I was really shy. And um, I remember her saying this. Either she said this or my mom had told me that they pray together every morning. And so I was so moved by that. Even I remember this. Fourth grade, so fourth grade, I was nine years old, eight, nine years old. I remember this so well. And I remember thinking, my teacher prays for me. And being so, like, my, my teacher prays for me. And I was so moved by that. And I really believe this with all of my heart. And I've told you guys this. I believe that because I was under you, under your covering in fourth grade, and because Pauline and you were praying every morning, that you guys sowed something into my life. And... I believe that you guys, I pray that I make you proud and that you're seeing the fruits of this um, because I believe that even though, you know, oh, man, I'm trying so hard not to cry. My lips just keep moving on me. <clears throat> you're a good girl. Man, even though you don't have, um, even though, you know, Pauline is an intercessor, and she prays, and obviously Mrs. Gomez has that same gifting, and we don't see, we don't see Pauline in the limelight, but what you've sown in me has birthed this, and I believe that, so I was, I'm standing on your shoulders in this, and so I want to honor you, and I believe that for every woman that is young at heart here, that you have sown seeds. I may not see them, and, and the people next to you may not have seen them, but you have sown seeds and a lot of you guys work with the kids, you are sowing seeds that are eternal. They are eternal. And in you guys, I honor you, I love you, and I thank you so much. Because, because of you, I really believe that this is, this is part of what we have. So thank you. So, but I, I, and I mean that for all, I mean that for all of you, um, and I never want you to feel left out. I never want you to feel like you're overlooked because you're not, and that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that loves us. I believe that in your season, that you are in a season that you can sow into our lives and that you can say, I love that my mom always tells me it's going to pass. It's okay. Cause I call her all the time. I'm like obsessed with my mom. So I'm always like, mom, the kids are flipping out and I don't, I just can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And she goes, Lindsay, it's okay. It's going to pass. It's not always going to be like this. And she'll tell me, do what you have to do. Put the dishes away, go to bed, you know? And so, but I, but her, but I think that so many of you women, that are young at heart, I feel like you probably see things that we don't see. And I, and I pray that all of us young ones, we are saying, I invite you to speak yeah, into my amen. life. And I appreciate you. And I honor you. And I love you. Uh, so, yeah. Amen. Sorry for that brief emotional moment. <laughs> this is women's time. We can cry. We can laugh. It's to be expected. So good. That was really good, huh? Yeah. She got me, like, all emotional. I'm, like, pregnant. So I'm, like, already emotional as it is. So I'm like, I'm not even speaking, and my eyes are like this, guys. Like, what's going on? Everyone's right. going to be like, I love Mrs. Gold, Pauline. I love you. We do love you, though. Can we give it up for all the women who are 
Older yeah. at heart. Young at heart. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Not older at heart. I think sometimes it's, it's so easy to, to be emotional when you don't see the fruit right away, right? And, and that's the struggle. You know, you look back even to Adam and Eve, you know, she, she tried to fill a void with something else, yeah. um, you know, and this was something one of, one of my crews actually talked about this week, and I, I really feel like I need to share this, you know, there's nothing unhealthy with acknowledging an emotion, right? Yeah. What's unhealthy is you indulging or ignoring it. Um, and that's where things get tainted, and that's, that's where you lose, um, you lose perspective of who God is. Because it's in, it's in ignoring the feeling that, that you're saying, okay, well, well, this is something that I can't apply my faith to. This is something that, that God can't touch. You know, I'm too far gone, or I'm too lonely, or I'm too guilty, or I'm too, you know, ashamed, or, or whatever, whatever emotion it is. Um, just like, you know, um, by, by you indulging in that emotion, you're giving that emotion more authority than the principle. Um, and, and like I said, there's nothing wrong. That's why we encourage accountability. There's nothing wrong with you. I, like, I really feel like you guys need to hear, like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the season you're in. There's nothing wrong with you feeling a certain way. What, what matters is, are you feeding that feeling or are you not? You know, amen. Amen. Um, so yeah, so what's the next question? Let's see, guys. Where are we? Um, oh, Marquis, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a bomb. This is a good one. Get ready, guys. Dude, I'm nervous. So, so how, what if what if you always stay single? Are you are you okay with that? Like, what's your perspective on that? Like, what would you say, you know, to someone who's worried about possibly staying single forever? I love it. Everyone can breathe. It's okay. I was like, oh my God, you just asked me that. Say. <laughs> no, and this is, this is something, actually, it's so funny. I heard a woman speak, and it was my first crew ever when I came back to Jesus. And she was mid-30s, and she was, if y'all think, like, I have a lot of energy, Shonda was, like, 20 times my energy. And she was so intense in that crew, and she was like, I am going to be single for the rest of my life, me and Jesus, that's it. And I was like... This isn't the crew for me. This isn't the crew for me. <laughs> don't speak that over me. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know who you are, lady. That's the crew with like two people in it. <laughs> the numbers varied over time. But I remember just being so shocked by that revelation. But as I came to understand her heart, I understood what she meant. And now, genuinely, I can say to you that if I am single for the rest of my life, it will be a life well lived. And my heart is full. And this isn't an overnight revelation that I've come to. But I genuinely believe, ladies of God, if we can come to a place where we say, you know what, Jesus? I'm so full with who you are. I'm so filled by your love. I'm so overwhelmed by your grace that if it's you and me forever, I'm okay in that. I'm not just okay in that. My heart is full And my soul is well. And I came to know, like, that was Shonda's heart. That's what she meant when she said, me and Jesus forever. And whenever you walk in that place of revelation like that, it's, it's it's like a grounded feeling where no matter what, genuinely, no matter what happens, it doesn't change who God is. The more you can fall in love with God, the more you'll come to a place where you say, you know what? 
forever, if this is it, I'm full. And genuinely, I think when you come to that place, then you're ready. If you are meant to be married. It's only by coming to that place of completeness. Because as women, God's designed us to multiply. We birth life. But when we're not whole, we divide. And a woman who's not whole, yoking up with a man, will become divisive. Women who aren't whole in themselves, even in friendships and relationships, they become divisive. We're made to multiply, but you can't multiply unless you're whole. It's a principle. So it's a crazy question when you think of it at the surface, like, oh my gosh, forever? No man? No, I have a man, and his name is Jesus. And there's nothing wrong in it. And oh, by the way, yeah, we can clap for that. That's worth a clap. I know there are some of you sitting in your seats right now like, Lord Jesus, I rebuke that. that. My man is coming. I met him two weeks ago. He goes to church. Genuinely, if you can't be whole in who God's called you to be, you're not ready for someone else to come up alongside you. Um, But yeah, if I, and, and, and like before all of you is a beautiful group of witnesses, like a cloud of witnesses, If he never comes, as in I never get married, it will be a full, phenomenal life of adventure. I'm six and a half years in, and I'm like, whoa, God. Like, look at everything we've done together. This is so fun. (laughs) Not every day is fun, but genuinely, there are way more fun days than there ever are days that I spend lamenting this, this identity of single. No, I have an identity of a daughter of a king, and I have an identity of a woman of God, and I'm so full in who God's called me to be that if and when a man comes along and we build something together, cool. But in the meantime, I'm still full, and that doesn't change who God's called me to be. And there's so much freedom in that, ladies. Like, I'm not looking around all the time like, oh, are you the one? Oh, you're kind of cute. Like, I'm not checking out the entrance whenever people come through. I'm so like, uh, it's biblical. He'll come find you. BT dubs, like you're not meant to pursue. Men are designed to pursue. Preach it, girl. But you have to be comfortable enough in yourself to say, you know what, God? And this is really going to rock your world if you're single. If you trust Jesus with your eternity, with where you go when you pass in this life, why in the world would you not trust that he has a man that he is going to bring alongside you to compliment and bring him glory? That's, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's so good. Now, now, how do you how do you stay confident in that truth, right? Because obviously, you know, in certain seasons, we do you you do kind of get emotional about it. You feel it. You know what I mean? Can how I do you stay confident? One? Can I answer this for you? Because I feel like you'll say the same thing. But I think that I think this. I think that sometimes we set our sights too low. So good. I think yeah. that we forget so that we are eternal beings. Yeah. So when our body dies, our soul keeps living. Yeah. I think we forget that, and we kind of think. Oh, when I get married, when I have kids. When I get married, when I have kids. When I get married, when I have kids. Okay, but what, God forbid, what happens if your husband passes? That's so good. Or when, you, if your child passes, then what happens? Is God not God anymore? Or what if you can't get pregnant? Or what if, you know, there's so many what ifs, but I'm saying as, when we come into, when we come into Jesus and when we come into Christ, we're saying, God, my soul will live forever. So that means that ultimately this is not all that there is. And so sometimes I think that we set our sights too low and we set them 
too much on earthly things. That's why we're always saying sow something that's eternal because that is what counts. I'm not saying that, you know, obviously taking care of your kids counts, but you're sowing eternal seeds because you're sowing into their life. So when we say sow eternal seeds, even financially, we're saying set your sights higher because this will pass. Your body will fade. This stuff will wither away. But is God still on the throne? Am I going to make it somewhere? Or when I die or when death happens or when grief happens, does my life stop? And I know that that's a really hard truth. That's, really, that's a really, really hard truth, and I know that that's heavy, and I haven't, I haven't had to deal with grief in that way. But in walking alongside people that have had to deal with, with grief, um, and, I, and I don't mean this even in an insensitive way, but just to, that there's always hope, yeah. that hope is always, is yeah. always offered. Um, so I think that setting our sights on eternal things, and the Bible says that. He's set eternity in the hearts of man. So that means that we are always longing for more. We're always longing for something more. And again, it's not to discount grief and all yeah, that, because like you said, you have to walk through those emotions. Those are very real things. But what's so beautiful about being in Jesus is that we always have hope. No matter what, no matter how our life turns out, yeah. we always have hope. Yeah. Amen? I think especially with women, too, um, I think sometimes we... we we believe this lie that peace is a feeling, right? But peace isn't a feeling. Uh, peace is, is, is a fruit of the spirit, and it's a truth. Um, and I think, again, when you begin to, to, to discern or ask God, and as you grow in God, you gain more discernment, you gain more wisdom. Um, and, and when you don't have it, you go to, to, to women that are more seasoned and, 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 and get advice from them um, that... that you're able to kind of uh, gain clarity for what what fruit of the what what is fruit of the spirit and what is fruit of the flesh, yeah. right? Because because if we're honest in certain seasons or if we're experiencing something that we've never experienced before, it's because it's new territory. It can be scary, right? Yeah. And it can it can feel overwhelming, but it but it doesn't change um, it doesn't change God's peace. Yeah. You know, it doesn't change God's fruit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh. Can yeah. I just super quickly? So along sure. that same vein, if you are in the place where you're trying to step into who God's called you to be, so like she was saying, when you're wrestling with this season of, I know I should be full in you, God, but I'm not, and this can be married women, single women, it's a principle of if you're going to remove something out of your life, you have to fill it with something. Yeah. So if you're used to a man or a music genre or an outing on a Friday night being the thing that you are rooted, like rooted in, the thing that you find your identity in, it's natural to feel a void when you remove. Like Lindsay's saying, like when you have to cut people out to move forward with God, like it's natural to have voids. You have to fill it with something. Yeah. So even in, as you're running in singlehood or even in marriage or whatever season you're in, you need to make sure that, that you're filling that place with a new music that's going to speak into you. So to the idea of identity, you can't walk in who you're called to be if you don't know who the heck that is. And I'm so convinced of this. It's not your past that dictates the attacks on your life. The attacks on your life in this moment are because of your future. They're because of what God has and the glory that he's going to get. And the enemy wants to prevent us from stepping into that identity. As a single woman, as a married woman, as a mom, as a grandmother, as a woman of God, if you can get a hold of what he says about you, no label in the world can shake that. 
And that's really like something that, that's the only reason why I am who I am is because God said, no, Marquis, this is who you are. No, Marquis, you are made pure. You are a lovely thing. You do reflect my goodness. But if I listened to the world, I'd be like that weird single girl that couldn't get a guy on Christian Mingle. <laughs> Which I wasn't on, by the way. In case there are any sure. <laughs> All right. <That's> the <laughs> so last question, Lindsay. So this is for you. So, so how, how do our seasons, our personal seasons, affect the body or affect the church? Yeah. So, you know, I think that we... We all, just like how the, how the Bible says that we're, we're, a, we're a body. And so the hand affects the arm, affects the shoulder, affects the abdomen. Is this that what this is called? Abdomen? The, the sure. torso. Who said that? Hey, girl. You're genius. Yes. Um, I think that it does. I think that we do affect, we do affect one another. Um, I think that when we... Uh, I, this is why crews are so important is because you kind of start to, it helps you to kind of recognize your seasons and to see, okay, I see how this season can affect that season. And I think that like if you're in a season, like I said before, if you're young at heart, your season affects my season. If you're working your season and if I'm working my season. Okay, so if I'm tending good. my thing and you're tending your thing, we can really, really help each other. Yeah, so if, if I'm at a place where I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, you know, I have a lot of strength to give somebody, then I'm going to say, you know what, I know that you're struggling with this. I know you're struggling with, you know, whatever it is. So I'm going to say, you know what, come alongside me. Let's work together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you borrow some of my strength, and I'm going to yoke myself together with you, because yeah, that's so what yoking means. When you ox, when you ox, sheesh, when you yoke oxen, you're, it's something that you're putting over them. And that's why it says, the Bible says to be equally yoked. Because okay. if, if, the, if one ox is weaker than the other, then the yoke is going to go over and then you've lost everything that you have. So that's why I think that if we are working our seasons the way that we should be, yeah. we do affect one another. So those that are young at heart can speak, into, can speak into my life and say, you know what, you're doing a good job. Stay with it. It doesn't stay like this forever. Set your sights high. And if some, like I said, if someone's feeling strong or if someone's feeling weak, they can say, you know what? I really need you right now. I need you. And so I think that that's how our seasons affect one another. And, you know, just just in closing, I want to encourage you with this too. Comparison is the thief of joy. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, my my story's not like that. My story, it's not supposed to be like that. Because you're you and because I'm me. And that's why I... (laughs) You know, I had said before, like, don't size me up. Don't look at me. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what's been spoken. Hear that. And I think that for some of us, we really struggle with comparison. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I think some of you guys really struggle with pride. And you don't want want accountability because you think you know everything. And you know what? That's fine. But I will tell you this. Mark my words. I will tell you this. This might not be the place for you. And I want it to be the place for you. But we love accountability. Here's why. We've got a city to win. Okay? So we have, we, we have places that we want to go. Uh, practically, we want a building. We want all of these awesome things, and we really want to start to transform our city. But we can't do that if we've got compromise, 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 because then we're, when people look at us and they look at our church, they're saying, Oh, yeah, but they compromise here, and they compromise there. And, oh, I know so-and-so that goes to that church, but then they do that. So, okay, 
whatever with that church. I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. I did something so stupid this week, and I had to go and apologize, and I felt awful about it. But I had accountability. It was actually my husband. He said, I can't believe you said that. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I had to go back and apologize. But that's accountability. Now, if I had said, no, I'm not going to apologize, that would have, that would have, A, that would have started to, I would have let the enemy get a stronghold, and I would have allowed him to, to put, a, put a seed in me. That's the first thing it would have done. And the second thing is that it affects that person that I wronged. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm sorry, I could have, holding on to my pride is an ugly, ugly thing. So if you're prideful, it's ugly. But Jesus is good, and God is good. And so if that's something that you struggle with, I I really encourage you to rub against that thing and say, even though it hurts, you got to hold me accountable. Hold me accountable. Please hold me accountable. I know it hurts, and you know this sucks, and I really don't want to do this, but I need you. And that's not an easy thing to do, but I will tell you this. You do that, and you're going to be on an upward climb. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And so if we're all saying, my life was touched by Jesus, my life has been transformed by him, then I think that we can all say, okay, Let's start to, let's, let's get in with these principles. Let's get in with this because what that does is now we're saying, okay, I'm making way for the next person to get to know Jesus. So it's an awesome thing. So Easter at the dunk, get involved. If you're not involved, get involved because you're saying, okay, I got to experience Jesus, so I'm going to facilitate a way for the next person to know Amen. Jesus. So what if you don't sit in the service? You're, you're going to live. You know who Jesus is and you're good. Okay. So I know, I know some of you are like, but I don't want to serve. I want to sit. Well, you know what? We're all going to be serving. So get with the program. Okay, guys, get with it. All right. (laughs) So, so we love you. We think that you guys are awesome. We're so excited for the season that we're all in. And I encourage you to get to know somebody. You have cards on your, on your, um, on your seats. And I forgot to announce this before. But if you have a minute, just jot down a prayer and a praise how we can pray with you and and what God did for you during this time.